Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode of Bullshit Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. You knew that already. Patreon.com slash Bullshit Breakaway. Get access to BSBOTs. Go to our Discord. Get our NHL Insider Chat. Get some hot scoops. Hot scoops here. Hot scoops coming through. We have Dmitry Filipovich from PDOFcast on today. We talk Igor Sturkin for the heart and a bunch of other fun stuff. We talk about the trade deadline and predictions, what we think is happening, and how the market's kind of set right now for what could be either rather a super exciting deadline or somewhat lackluster. My prediction is Phil Kessel. We'll talk about it in a couple minutes. Uh, but for, without further ado, I guess let's get to Mark Messier, shall we? Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Break events. Welcome to the week of the Bush Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of Patreon.com, where you can su- subscribe and support us. I'm here with my, gro- my co-host, my wonderful co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Man, you're struggling today. It really feels like you're struggling today. Uh, I, honestly, I had a fever yesterday that just broke out of nowhere. Uh, I didn't sleep wow. well, so th- I am struggling. But no one's as struggling nearly as much as the NHL. As the, oh, I was going to say the Cincinnati Reds. Very close. Very close. <laughs> oh, it's probably the Reds and then the NHL. Yeah, because the NHL isn't doing anything, right? That Their struggle is the fact the that the Cincinnati Reds are purposely trying to be bad and save money. I, it's like the, the Coyotes? I don't think they're, I, they're not trying to – they're just trying to save money, right? That's the worst part about this. The players – it's one thing to trade the players that they've traded who are all quite good and could have all helped the Reds be a winning ball club this year. It's the fact that their main purpose in all of these trades is not to – acquire talent it's to shed payroll that is the worst part about what the cincinnati reds is doing i do think you should have to have a you like there should be a floor right you of of spending and i know that was part of this oh yeah you and i have agreed on this for a very long time forever you if you own a team i think this is kind of how european football kind of works this at least where you like try and help try and pay as much as you can like you are part of the city you are part of a culture part of something that's around you and it's your obligation to do what you believe is the right thing and spend money to the fans and the teams. 
Uh, the Cincinnati Reds don't do that. A lot of teams don't do that in American sports, for sure. I'm sure a lot don't do it in European sports as well. But anytime that happens, I'm like, I, I don't know why you own this team. What is the whole point? It, it, it's a luxury item for rich people. That's what it is. It's right. There's, there's, there's a difference between being cheap and being unable to spend like other people spend, right? That, that, that is a big difference. You that, can compete. That transcends the sport. Right. It's not just hockey. It's not just baseball. It's not just yep. anything, right? Crystal Palace can't spend as much as Manchester City. No one is sitting here saying or thinking that they can. But they spend as much as they truly believe they can, all while putting a competitive prospect product on the field that can com- that in their mind best enables them to compete with exactly. the big dogs exactly. while also not being awful. And what the Reds are doing is the Reds have the money to spend on all these players. You know how I know they have the money? They signed these guys to these contracts. These aren't <laughs> contracts they inherited. These are contracts they negotiated. I know. And all of a sudden they're saying, you know what, fuck it. We just don't want to spend the money anymore. And that, to me, is offensive. It's a total I would shame. Be saying that, I'd say that – here, I'll transition nicely to the National Hockey League here. The Coyotes? No, if the New York Rangers sit on their hands at the trade deadline and don't want to spend money, I will be as discritical of the New York Rangers as I am the Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati as Rangers. As you should because there are definitely players out there to be had for cheap prices by just taking on the money. I, I, cheap prices, again, in, in, in accordance of – Asset management. We are everything we say on this podcast will be heavily magnified and uh, have a lot of analysis on it. I'm sure because we are seven days officially away from the trade deadline. The uh, I saw the hockey staff six as you are listening to this. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, that is true. Seven if you're listening to this. If you are a Patreon subscriber, Patreon.com/slash Blue Shirts. That's a great plug. Great plug. Thank you. And thank uh, you. Thank you. you. We as we are six days away at this point in time, like like you so politely told me. We are going to make some accusations on this podcast, and I, I kind of have some final thoughts of where I think the Rangers end up. And right now, I do believe Kessel is a Ranger, but before the end of the week, I think this weekend Kessel is a New York Ranger. Um, I just think it makes too much sense. I don't think there's any other team that's going to check in on him for cheap. Would you think Boston could get Kessel? I don't think they could fit him. It doesn't really make sense. Like the Rangers are the only team where financially it makes sense for Kessel to come because they have $32 million in cap space. Period. End of story. Um, well, not not just that. The Rangers also have a clear need. A big right? time. Every, a big every time. other team, every other team for the most part, that is in the East at least and firmly entrenched in a playoff spot, maybe outside of goaltender in Toronto, no team has clear desperate needs right they would like to make some additions they would like to make some improvements but desperate is not a word you would use to describe any other team in the east's situation when it comes to the trade deadline the new york rangers have a desperate need for a player who is capable of playing top six minutes at least until capo comes back and even then they have a desperate yeah, that's called need. april 14th like a month from now yeah yeah and yeah. it's also a desperate need to make this team and the forward ranks deeper. They are simply too shallow as currently constructed. That need is desperate. That need is clear. That need's been there the entire season, but especially since Sammy Blay got hurt. Whether you thought Sammy Blay was going to be the player the Rangers envisioned him to be or not doesn't matter. It's clear the Rangers have been down a skater in their top nine since Blay went out, and it's only gotten worse since then. So A lot worse. It, it, it's it's not a matter of do I think other teams can fit Kessel? Sure, I think other teams would like to fit Kessel. I think Kessel can help an infinite amount of other teams. Every team in the East would be benefited by having Phil Kessel as a lineup option. Only the New York Rangers need that kind of player. 
I just think anybody. They, I think they're grabbing this week for like a fourth or a third rounder. I, I can imagine it actually being as low as a fourth, as crazy as that sounds. And then I, I do think the big move that ends up happening with the New York Rangers really depends on what happens with San Jose. Uh, and that's because San Jose is negotiating their contract extension, extension with Tomas Hurdle. Uh, obviously, he's looking for big-time money. I I can imagine he's asking for Mika Zibinijad money. I haven't seen any projected figures, but the Rangers would have to try and sign him for like a 7x7. Is he okay taking $1.5 million a year less to play in New York, or would he rather stay out in San Jose? Uh, and they would also have to, the Rangers would also have to give a nice trade package, which I'm positive would include Niels Lundqvist in a first round pick, fill in the rest from there. That That's really, the that's this where is, we This up. is another thing in my eyes, at least, that makes the San Jose, well, not just the San Jose Sharks, but the National Hockey League, at least 17% less creative than other leagues. If you're the San Jose Sharks, you know what you really do? It's not tampering if you already have them, right? You already not. say, buddy, was it going to take to sign you? That's the extension you want? Cool. We're going to loan you out for two months, and then we'll talk to you in June, and here's the exact contract that is waiting for you once your term is over with that new team. And when you come back, so would get, we'll have a couple new toys for you to play with. The new, Exactly. We're going to trade you out to get your reinforcements, and then we're going to bring you back for every dime that you want in the offseason. But you know what? Sharks, are, I know for a fact that's not an option for the San Jose Sharks. They probably haven't even thought of it. But it's <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I, do you so? Where do you stand? Give me a percent number. Where do you think? I I, I think we're the odds with, are with on hurdle, hurdle getting traded. I think we're at like a like a, and it sounds so weird to say like fifty percent because like oh a coin toss, but uh, I do feel like it's around the fifty to sixty percent chance. And I I think it's really going to be only the Rangers or possibly one other team that could, can really make the offer that because he has to choose. He has a, he has a no movement clause, so he has to sure choose the three teams he can go to. That's it. And I'm on, a, the on a scale of one to ten, how with ten being super exciting, how exciting do you think this trade deadline is going to be? Not just for the New York Rangers, just for the National Hockey League. Uh, my gut reaction was like a four, but I want it to be like a seven. What would make it a seven? Mark Andre Fleury gets moved. Yeah, Fleury gets moved. Hurdle gets moved. Giroux gets moved. Mickey Eight is right about everything. Yep, <laughs> the Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if he was right about it. I would. It would just be fucking funny. I love the it, it, It'd be God great. He's the best. I just love how serious he takes everything. And how so serious. How frequently he's updating it. Like he's like he's talking to Churi on the cell. <laughs> he's like, let me call Churi up on his cell phone. This is what they're thinking. Like, really? Oh my God. You know Churi uh, doesn't talk to anybody? Not, not, to, not to completely redirect to the Cincinnati Reds, but our friend Vinny just shared a tweet that says, for what it's worth, per sport rack, Ken Griffey Jr. is the sixth highest paid red player this season. At three point five nine million dollars, what? <laughs> They're still paying him. They had deferred money on his contract. Are you serious? Everybody likes making fun of the Mets for Bobby Bonilla, buddy. There are so many other people getting paid out there. I'm just saying. We got to get deferred. Uh, <laughs> it's, it sounds awesome. Everything, everything in my life is deferred. I'll tell you that right now. That's probably true. Um, I I think Hurdle is the big one. If he doesn't get traded, like who's who's really the other big names that can go on the market? Like, is Chickren really going to get moved? Seems like maybe not. Miller, right. the, the injury doesn't help. Nope, I don't know. How, well, I, the the chicken injury I think is re- realistic. I think some of the other injuries are not as realistic, and just protecting their players and assets, which is fine. Whatever. You're saying Andrew Cop is not actually concussed? No, Andrew Cop definitely. <laughs> I, I, I watched the hit. Uh, yeah, and apparently Riley Smith is on the IR now. So like a lot of these these names that well, are Rob, like, anything Vegas does is 
Fugazi when it comes to the salary cap, in my eyes. Also, it would be credit to our friend Jeff who said this first. It would be something if Vegas somehow missed the playoffs as Jack Eichel got healthy. I know. I know. What a story that would be. The the, the celebrations in Buffalo would be endless. <sighs> yeah, well, you know, all it took for that building to get loud was Jack Eichel leaving, so I, I did like that he called him out and I'm like, hey, I was here seven I years. Fucking I fucking love it. I gave it my all. I wish he was a Ranger so bad, man. Me too. Me too. Me ah, too. What a quote. What See, a... that's why I think that's why I think Drury's not not gonna give up unless he gets this long term extension player. And JT Miller, I think, was someone they looked at, but now all of a sudden Vancouver's looking to give him eight point five million dollars over seven years. So do we think it's all of a sudden though? I don't think it's all of a sudden. I still don't think JT Miller was ever a realistic option for anybody. We've been pretty consistent about that from the jump. We have been. That's true. Uh, but that only leaves Hurdle. So if Hurdle signs an extension this week, it's kind of like uh, – I don't think – I just noise? don't think it's – I don't think it's happening. So then so then you're self-rent so, – so let's go through it. So then you self-rent Ryan Strom. He's probably not signing the extension you want him to sign, which is like $4.5 million, which is what the Rangers yep. wanted to sign, which he yep. should never sign. If I was his agent, I would be like, get away from the Rangers immediately. No yeah, chance. That's less money. That's less money than Josh Harrison got this week. Yep. Yep. That's true. Oh, man, so sad. The NHL. And then <laughs> Josh Harrison just cannot play baseball, um, like at all. Hey, come on. He was fine last year. He was fine like three years ago. Uh, so then Ryan Strom, you're self-renting Ryan Strom. Then from there, yep. it's like maybe you get like I, I don't think the Lekkonen's happening. Apparently Montreal wants a first. Well, I don't, would you pay? I've been first? trying to tell you they were going to want something from the beginning. Would you, you want were... a first for Lekkonen? I don't know if I would. Do I think that. I would do it. Well, again, this is. I think this is a perfect comp- conversation to have because I was having some talks with some people we know today and mm-hmm. some people that follow this show about why I thought it was a mistake the Yankees didn't go harder after Matt Olson. And... Oh, it's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but but the, this this conversation pairs well with that. We keep forget. We keep saying first round pick. That pick is falling between 21 and 26, something like that, right? Which the New York Rangers are making chance. the playoffs. Yeah. The New York Rangers are making the playoffs, which means that pick is likely going to be in the 20s. The odds of that player being an impact NHL player are just as good if that pick was at 50. They're just – those picks are complete lottery tickets. And I understand that everybody wants as many lottery tickets as they can possibly have. Because every now and then you're going to hit, right? You're going to get a Keandre Miller every now and then. Yep. You're going to make often. one. We'll see. Yeah. Well, you're going to make high, one. So. You're going to make one that is an impactful move. But for the most part, by trading a pick 20th or later, you are forcing that team that is acquiring that pick to get it right. And the odds of them nailing it just aren't that high. Do I think Arturi Lekkanen is a good hockey player? Absolutely. Completely. I would like him to score more, but that dude helps you win. I He's under contract after this season. You have to negotiate a new one with him, but it's completely within the Rangers' line of thinking. And I would bet – I would force Jeff Gorton to get that pick right and get Lekkanen. I, I have no marriage to that first-round pick. The New York Rangers already have more prospects than they clearly know what to do with because I'm watching Morgan Barron sit every night. I see Niels Lundqvist chilling in the AHL. You see Offman doing what he's doing. I understand the New York Rangers. You could always use more prospects. But just for a moment, if you're telling me the biggest thing I have to give up in order to get Artori Lekkanen, a young player who plays the style the New York Rangers want to play, and we know in the NHL specifically, teams don't adjust to their players, right? You have to go get players that play the way you want them to play. It's not like any other sport 
when it comes to that. So if Lekkonen is a good player who plays the style you want to play, can immediately help this team that's making a playoff push, and you'd have the first option in keeping him next season, yeah, trade a first-round pick for that in a heartbeat. I'm not thinking twice about it. Can I play devil's advocate just for two seconds? You could try, but I think I just nailed this argument, and I'm fucking smart. You are, and the counter-argument is, I already know what the counter-argument to what I'm going to say is, and I'll say it before you do, which is, I think maybe Drury's perspective is, he doesn't want to trade this pick unless it comes with an impact player with term. And if he can't get that impact player with term, this trade deadline, he'd maybe like to hold on to it for the summer when he can try and trade that pick because you'd rather hold 2023 picks because that draft class is much more talented, supposedly. Again, I don't know. I'm not a prospect guy. But all the prospect guys will tell me that. Maybe you want to tr- hold that pick to the summer to trade for. Maybe you go try and get the cane that everybody talks about. I, I don't like the Patrick Kane trade. I've been flamed for it a couple times. I know he has did like 21 you, did points. You, did you see Lazarus say he wanted to trade Laf- for Lafreniere in a first? Yeah, I literally, uh, I think I was the first comment on that. And I said, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who says no? I was like, me? Like, of course. Yeah, why would, uh, what are we doing here? Uh, here's, this is ridiculous. The, the thing I keep forgetting about the NHL is it's not just run by people I think are incompetent. It's the people who have been writing most about the league. I also find fairly incompetent. It's... Oh, it, it's, it's it's impressive. It's the name. It's name happens. value. I, I, listen, I know Patrick Kane has 21 points in like whatever the last amount of games. I know he has a six-point game. I know he's a Stanley Cup champion. I understand all this, but I don't want to give up the farm to trade for Patrick Kane. But I, I'm not I, even talking about it from a Ranger perspective. You and I agree. We're not Kane guys. That's fine. We, we can leave it at that. It's if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, you're telling me you're going to do better than Alexi Lafreniere in a top 25 draft pick? <laughs> you're not. You're not. I promise. What the fuck? I promise. What are you smoking? This was a number one overall pick who was a semi-generational, whatever you want to say it, prospect. What? What? The Red Wings are going to trade Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond for Kane? Like, what get, the fuck are you open for? Get out of here. I, like, I, I also on? hate this, like, uh, lackluster um, Lafreniere first two years conversation. I don't. I hate it. I hate it. He's He's been much better than what people know because he's not playing on the power play and because – uh, he doesn't – some of his, his line mates, guess what, don't finish when he has clear-cut assists. Like, the last couple of weeks, Lafreniere's passing has been much more crisp, much more active. Even the last uh, – we'll talk about the two games in a couple minutes here, but he had a great 200-foot game just two days ago, all of a sudden. And now now he's a lackluster asset. Like, who knows if he's going to be that kind of player. Yeah, Chicago would kill to have Lafreniere for the next, what, 10 to 11 years? I'm sure they would love that. But they're but not, right. it's not the, going to happen. The National Hockey League is a league that responds to points. You know this. I know this. We've always known this. Lafreniere doesn't have 50 of them. Oh, I must suck then. That's it. How many, how many times – I love 90% of the people we've brought on this show. But how many times do we bring someone on the show to have a trade conversation with them and it ends up with them being like, well, you're going to have to tell me how X, Y, and Z was playing because admittedly I don't watch the Rangers that much. It happens all the time. Happens constantly, but that's because it's impossible. Like it's when you watch other leagues, um, there's stacked games a lot of the time, so you can kind of like scout or like baseball. It's easier to kind of like watch at bats, right? Highlights or whatever. If you watch the Premier League, you can watch like three games a weekend, like I do, like a psychopath. Sometimes five, two on Sundays, so three on Saturday, uh, and you could scout out a lot of different players. You can see like, hey, I like that guy. He seems to be good. But everybody at NHL just plays at seven o'clock. That's it. Like, <laughs> they, but I don't. I don't think it's just writers that feel that way. I think it's also front offices. The fact that the fact that any writer actually floated out Braden Schneider as a piece that Vancouver wanted, it, it's a waste of your time writing it. Because if you knew anything about the New York Rangers, you'd know that it's not. It's a non-starter. 
Well, you I, don't need to that's be what I like about what we do when that. we did the trade deadline previews, and especially you, you did a great job of like kind of vetting out like, all right, who's the non-starter pieces we can't even talk about with, with certain teams? That's why we run on beat writers that cover the teams because we would talk about like a Sergachev, for example, during the, the McDonough trade. We're like, is he available? It's constantly like, no. And we thought we got him for like a second, but he was not available. So that was it. Uh, but at least we do the, we do the homework. over there? What's going on? Oh what, no! What's uh, the beep, beep, beep going? Uh, that's just uh, my, house burning down. My door opened for a second. That was it. Oh. I watched Deepwater Horizon the other day, so I know beeps aren't good anymore. <laughs> beeps are not good. That is a fact. Beep, beeps aren't good. Magenta is also really bad, from what I understand. Uh, a quick recap of the last two games, and I'm talking real quick because you don't need to relive them. Um, the St. Louis Blues game was an absolute embarrassment for the New York Rangers. Tire, tire fire. Tire fire. Tire fire. I can't. I can't tell you how embarrassing that game was. It was. Uh, I don't want to say the worst game of the season because at least they scored two points and the Flames absolutely ripped the roar of them and the opening night obviously sucked as well. But I, I think the effort level in that Blues game was whew, bad. Like some of the worst I've, I've seen all year, if not the worst I've seen all year. And then all of a sudden we go to the Dal- uh, Dallas Stars and uh, we are in their hometown, home city. And all of a sudden the Rangers are down 2 nothing immediately. Igor lets in a top shelfer um, and then also... Uh, Another goal goes in. It's like, okay, well, what's going to happen now? I, I post the group therapy thread. 200-plus comments of absolute misery. 21 minutes later, the Rangers proceed to score four goals in a minute and five seconds or something like that. And then win the game 7-4. Seven, uh, and I think everybody got a point I'm reading here. It says uh, everyone has a point. Very nice. Uh, yeah, Patrick Nemeth scored a wraparound goal, bro. Yeah, the only uh, people without points in that game, Kreider, Lafreniere, Lieber Hayek. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I bet Lafreniere to score, uh, so that that is part of it. But I also bet Mika Zibanejad to score, so I can't be a complete oh, jinx. Mika March, I got one of those. He two. is actually unbelievable in March. It's... Anytime goal score for Mika Zibanejad was plus one seventy. It was free money in March. It's free. it's free money. We don't have a sponsor yeah. right now, but we, we will get one back and we'll get you some promo codes for that. But yeah, I I think I honestly the Blues game was embarrassing. Gallant said as much, and he was right a thousand percent. He told he said the team. For as hard as Igor has played, it's embarrassing that it, the team just didn't show up in front of him tonight. Yeah, they benched him in the first, bro. It was crazy. Oh, sorry. sorry. They had to. Beginning they had, of the second. Beginning of the second. They had to. What, what What? benefit did they have to leave him out there? They got a lot of games that they're going to want to win later this season, including in the playoffs. And at some point, the minutes catch up with you. No, they had no. Oh, and then Georgiev, my man. When you fall turning and let a goal in. It was tough. It was that's tough. a rough look. That's how yeah, rough. A We're trying to trade you. You switched agents. That's how bad that was. You switched agents. Yeah, that, went, that, went from a, that went from a third to a fourth. That, <laughs> that one, uh, that's a tough egg. But, you know, credit where, credit where credit is due. We're hard guys on Gerard Gallant, but he said the right stuff after that game. He, he didn't pull punches. He pulled the Terry Collins. He said, at some point, the players got to play, and they're not playing right now, and you, you have to admire that. Um, and then when they fell out 2 nothing to the Stars, I honestly thought – I didn't think the season was unraveling, but it it seemed like at that point, the New York Rangers, unless they made a big move, it seemed like the gas had just ran out a little bit. And then four goals in five minutes and six seconds, unanswered, to take a two-goal lead going into the next period against a red-hot Dar- Stars team, we should mention. So it's it's hard. I y- You don't forgive or forget what happened in St. Louis because it was bad. And we can't just wipe away bad games and say they're just a one-off. It's it, it's a concerning game. But it's hard to come away super negative 
from the two games when you think of how they played against the Stars. And I think that's where I blame it. Upcoming games, Ducks at home, Islanders at home, and then a deadly back-to-back of at Lightning and then at Hurricanes. That one's rough. There's no like, – coming out of that that and having, like, two points, one point is a miracle. That's for sure. But I think both these next games are extremely winnable. Everyone, if you're going to the Garden on Thursday, please be safe uh, and get home safe. Take an Uber and take a subway, whatever you got to do. Yeah, I'm not going to the Garden, and I'm telling myself to be safe. I, I can't afford another $500 dildo. <laughs> Do some that's, drinking. That's true. I, I'm staying. I'm staying home. Some people are coming here to watch the games. Yes, I can't but, get in trouble. We don't have a punching machine here. People There's don't. No under, way. I don't think people understand how debit, like how insane March 17th is. You made this point uh, in our private chat, but everything happens. Spring training. Everything. Uh, uh, Rangers Islanders. March Madness. Fucking everything's happening. So be careful. There was another thing. I forgot what the other Saint thing Patty's was. Day. Well, that, yeah. Oh, Jewish Halloween. That's Don't the, forget Jewish course, Halloween. Jewish Halloween. How can I forget? Fuck it. It's Purim, <laughs> man. People are like, I've never heard it described that way. I've never live heard it described that for, way. <laughs> live in Georgia for six years. You get really creative in explaining holidays to people. Okay. I don't want to have to go through the story of how Queen Esther saved the Jews from another annihilation incident. A lot of those things happen to us. Go fucking figure. So I just like, listen, it's Jewish Halloween. You get to dress up, and it's the one time all year you get to go to services and be a loud, obnoxious prick. And it's wonderful. Never heard of it, but I'm sorry. <laughs> but here we it, go. Listen, it now is an obscure one. But it's I'd say if, if you were to do a Mount Rushmore of Jewish holidays, I, I'd probably say Purim's number four. Wow, really? Huh. Yeah, I'd say it's up there. Okay. It's not Passover. No. It's not the high holy days, but I'd say it's fourth. Okay. That's solid. Um Do you have any final predictions of where you think the Rangers end up by the time we're speaking next Monday? I don't I I've I've long said the Rangers should go all in. Agreed. It smells like it smells like a half measure deadline. It it smells like it smells like the Mets trading for Baez and not Baez and Chris Bryant. It's like not going all the way in. Like yeah, I th- I think they're gonna do enough to make you feel like you mean like, a, they like want kind us. of like a guy or two that we were like not we that you and I have never discussed that are just like kind of filling guys that might be NHLers and then Raquel like that's kind of it. I honestly think if they get Raquel, that is going to exceed my expectation oh no i would be surprised if the rangers (laughs) did more than kessel i really would it's just it's the vibe i've gotten i don't know about you from where i sit it doesn't seem like the rangers are that motivated to me to to me i i'm looking at the big names right and i've just gone through them and i end up i kind of end up back to tomas hurdle or bust i just think jt miller is not happening i think philip forsberg is not happening I, i mean i very i very much want hurdle i want that clear you asked me what I expected. No, I and I'm expe- I'm expecting a wet fart. I really am. Ugh, I can't do this. <laughs> you can't. You can't have uh, the guy who almost won Hart three years ago, the guy who won Norris last year, and the guy that might maybe not going to win Hart now because he was pulled in the first, and that's all it takes for NHL media not not. Hey, to. Matthews got suspended two games, buddy. And we'll talk. We'll talk about that with our guests. Don't worry about it. Um, but we're just definitely going to win the Vesna. You can't have all three of those not go all in. Doesn't make sense. And, I just thirty-two million dollars doesn't make sense to me. You have to. Yeah, I just I think people I think some people have lost the forest through the trees when it comes to this conversation too. It's not about whether you think the New York Rangers are ready. New York Rangers are outperforming their expectation. That is for sure. And you can't just be like, well, they're better than we expected, but they're still not ready to make a push. No, no, these guys have earned a push. You owe it to the team to make a move. And everyone keeps fucking telling me about how important it is to get the kids' playoff experience. Okay, 
You want them to get more than just four to seven games? Give them a chance. These guys have played their ass off. They, Artemi Panera and Ryan Strom deserve to play with a guy that's better than Dryden Hunt. I, I no gotta tell you, Dryden Hunt and kudos on three assists. Oh, no, God bless fuck that. Fuck that. Some offense to Dryden Hunt. Fine. I'm, I'm fucking tired I'm of done. it. He, people were like that. Huso save on Dryden Hunt's the save of the year. He shot it into his fucking pad. Yeah. He literally was like, he, Ryan Strom blushed. Ryan Strom at least oh. would have had the fucking. He would have been nice enough to miss the goddamn net, not put it directly into the goalie. By the way, it was a mile and a half. Jacob Chikrin, breaking news, uh, out two to four weeks. There you go. Yeah, he's not getting traded. Great. So this trade deadline's going to be a wet fart then, if that's the case. Because then Miller's gone, Chikrin's gone. I mean, Pavelski's gone, Klingberg's gone. gone. Well, Klingberg. I don't Klingberg like it traded. Who knows? I don't believe the Predators are serious about Forsberg. I don't think. I think the Sharks are serious about Hurdle, but I think Hurdle's just going to be like. No, I don't want to leave. Fuck you. I hate this. And I don't think I don't think Flurry's moving. Do you really think Flurry's moving? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's he's moved once this year. I don't think he's gonna be he's gonna be do it. He moved once against his will. Yep. I guess that's true. He doesn't he doesn't seem like a guy that gives. He's got his name on the cup a couple times. I don't think he gives a fuck about having to move again. I think he's very consistent cashing his check and just chilling. All right. Um, any other any other topics we want to hit on before we get to our guests in a few minutes here? We have like some quick five star questions, but there is a there's a couple here we can get to. I was, I, I, why don't we why don't we do the interview? Come back with the five stars, and for a minute here, can we just talk about how fucking ridiculous the Mets and Yankees over under win totals are? Yeah, we could do this real quick because um, they're fucking ridiculous. And I'm not a hater. I want to make sure this is clear. Yeah, I'm a Rays fan, but I'm not a Yankee hater. That's for sure. I don't go out of my way to hate the Yankees. Uh, and I just don't really understand why there was it 93 wins for the Yankees. 92 and a, 92 and a half. Is Woo, the that's a lot. Especially when you play in a division with the Rays, the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Like, yeah, not everybody's going 19 and 0 against the Orioles in that division. No. And usually the Orioles beat up on the Yankees for no reason. Uh, also the New York Yankees currently constructed have what two starting pitchers. Yeah, I would say so. Like, I don't really trust Domingo Herman. Like, I don't really get, you don't that. trust Nestor Cortez. Don't really do that either. Like, is Severino going to be good again? I don't know. Is he going to be healthy? I don't know either. I mean, uh, then the Mets is what, 89 and a half now? 89 and a half in a division that has gotten worse. By a lot. Freddie Freeman is definitely leaving. Probably going to the NL. Yeah, <laughs> well, the I, I'll, so. uh, yeah, I'll say this. The, as happy as I am that Freeman's out, it's not like this – is, this was my point about the Yankees, that they should be oh, a little Freeman's upset. Freeman's a Matt way Olsen's- better hitter than, than Olsen. Way better. I know, but Olsen's still really fucking good. I know he's good. He's great. Gold Glove first baseman. Got a lot of power. Big big power number. He's a big three true outcome guy, right? Except that he's also extremely good yeah, defensively. But Freeman's like a big everything guy. Like it's three twenty with power. So he's I know, I know. But I, as I'm happy Freeman's gone, but it's not like I'm doing jumping jacks, really celebrating it because I I think the world of Matt Olson. And I think it's I think it's dumb. And I'll again I'll use the hockey analogy here. The Ugh. fact. Whenever we talk about prospects, we only think of the helium ceiling. We only think of how good the player is going to be. For some way, for some reason, I, I blind optimism, I'll call it. We just forget that more times than not, these guys just turn out to be not what we expected them to be. So the fact that an organization let Anthony Volpe be the reason why they didn't want to get a five-win player who can help you win right now, which, by the way, New York Yankees are trying to win right now. Right. Yep. I understand that they're, tr- they're trying to be more complete and have a competitive team 
every year so they don't want to trade all their prospects. Yankees have two high-end shortstop prospects. And while Peraza, in nobody's eyes, is as talented as Volpe, he's going, he has the potential to be as good. Volpe, you, you hope Volpe one day becomes a five-win player. It's very small chance that that happens. If you could use that prospect to go get a five-win player, you have to fucking do it, especially one that has team control. And this is how I feel about – this is why I trade Othman for a lot of people, and I don't think people understand that. I don't expect Brendan Othman to score 90 points in 50 games for the New York Rangers. I hope he's a middle six forward. That's what I hope. There's a chance he's not even that. There's trade a- the helium prospect if it gets you the player that is actually what you think the helium prospect might be. Couldn't agree more with you. All right, let's get to our guests. We have Dmitry Filipovich of Hockey PDO Cast. He'll be with us in just a second. Transition. And we're back with our first and only guest of the day. We have Dmitry Filipovich of the Hockey PDO Cast, a longtime running podcast. Dmitry, how are you? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Uh, a long time uh, coming trying to get you on here as a guest. It's been a, it's been a you know a struggle. I actually just took a DM. oh it took, don't don't it took put it a, that it way. It took a DM, and that was kind of it. Um, how, <laughs> how, how long has the PDO cast been going? Like ten years now? What's it, it feels like it's been going time. way too way too long. I can't believe it's still going. Um, we just did episode four thirty one. Wow. So I think we started in twenty fifteen. So yeah, oh, you're right. Been, well, you're right there with us. Quite a while. We're like neighbors. This is yep. cute. Um, where do we even start here? I know we, we, you and I DM'd about Igor Shosturkin for a couple minutes there. Uh, he has had quite a good year as a as a goalie. You may have heard this. He's been in the hard conversation until he probably got pulled against the St. Louis Blues. But then Austin Matthews got suspended uh, for two games. Which is worse, getting pulled in the first or getting suspended for two games? Your thoughts? I mean, I really don't think either ultimately makes a big difference. Um, certainly, it was, it's just weird seeing Igor give up like more than three goals at any point because he'd done it so few times prior to these to these uh, two most recent games. So that was a bit surprising. I mean, obviously, it, it's going to happen. But, I, you know, there was an interesting debate going on um, in that Blues game in particular where I think they only credit him for facing like 1.7 expected goals against or something like that and i was watching that game live as it was happening and the quality of chances that the blues were generating and scoring on were were so through the roof which has obviously been a trend all season but i think that kind of um diminished what he was actually facing so i don't even think you know getting giving up four goals against and getting pulled after a period or so is, is never good but um it was understandable considering what he was facing so it wasn't it was his worst performance and even that wasn't even that bad have we lost have we lost the meaning of what the Hart Trophy is in the NHL, in your opinion? I mean, did we have it to begin with? Probably that, not. That, that, <laughs> that, I think, is my second point, right? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, it, it, it's such a subjective thing, right? I guess, in theory, it's supposed to be most valuable. Usually, it's taken as most outstanding. Um I don't know. I, I really struggle with the whole skater versus goalie thing because in normal seasons – I generally just don't even consider goalies because once you open that can of worms, it's a very slippery slope and, and pretty much like the goaltender position is the most valuable one inherently. Right. So if you allow one of them to be on the, on the finals ballot, then all of a sudden it really should just be a replica of the Vesna ballot, in my opinion, in terms of the top three, because the three best goalies were probably the three most valuable players in any given season. Um, but this isn't a normal circumstance because what Igor Shostakovich is obviously doing is, is the utmost extreme in terms of, posting one of the best, if not the best individual goalie season we've seen prior to these uh, two most recent games. So if he keeps hovering around what he's been at and he adds um, 
more games played to his resume and he gets into that sort of mid fifties range. I really think like his argument is going to be is pretty unassailable unless you just don't allow goalies to be on your ballot at all. I'm with you on that. I, I mean, we got to talk about the trade deadline because one trade has happened today, but before that it was weeks ago. Um, and that was the Colorado trade that happened right before this podcast. But we were talking before you even came on. It's like the Rangers have been linked to literally everyone. Igor's having what is considered, like you just said, one of the best goalie seasons of all time. And they have to go all in. Whereas Jacob Chikorin is someone they were linked to. He's now hurt. Claude Giroux is probably not going to be a Ranger. I mean, is there any name that you think the Rangers are number one on trying to go get other than maybe Thomas Hurdle? Tomas, sorry. I mean, Hurdle would be a... Hurdle would be amazing. And honestly, I um I had our, our mutual friend Shayna Golden on my podcast hey. recently, and she kind of floated the idea of adding Hurdle and for the re- like for the rest of this season, just bumping Ryan Strom to the wing there. And then you kind of hit two birds with one stone in a way because you, you address that second uh second line right wing position that you that you kind of need to do something at this this deadline while also improving down the middle and potentially then extending hurdle moving forward and just basically locking up um, your top two centers for, for the years to come. So I really like that one. I think the, the price is probably going to be pretty, pretty high. And also it remains to be seen whether the sharks even make them available. It sounds like all the reporting so far indicates that they're going to just try to keep him and extend them and keep him in a shark's uniform moving forward. So if not for him, and, and as you said, I, I don't really see Giroux coming to the Rangers. There aren't necessarily um, a long list of kind of, impactful game changers that would significantly move the needle for this team in terms of um you know impending ufas that don't come with with term and future financial commitments so i I love the idea of going all in but i'm not necessarily sure what that looks like like do you guys have some sort of a like a a fantasy in terms of or a realistic one in terms of what that would be was hurdle and then all of a sudden it was Mm -hmm. i mean we didn't we're not jt miller guys but he's obviously off the board uh we're not actually patrick kane guys either and he seems like he's he would be quite hefty, especially at 50% retained. I, I'm sure you saw some people were saying today, would you do Lafreniere uh, for him? Like, no, we would not do that. Like, that's probably something we wouldn't do as Ranger fans. But then that leaves us like, who's the available center if it's not Giroux, if it's not Hurdle, if it's not Miller? It's kind of like, uh, nobody is really the answer. So what? how do the Rangers even I go mean, it's, all in? It's, it's strange to me that I understand why Miller's been the one that's linked. Like the more that I think about it, I, I feel like Connor, Connor Garland makes more sense in terms of the fit. He does for for the Rangers now. I'm not sure what their sort of appetite is for taking on any contracts extending beyond this year because I feel like they kind of want to enter this offseason and be able to to figure it out on the fly and not be hamstrung even more, especially with the impending um, extensions of, of Fox and Zibanejad kicking in. Um, but I love the idea of a guy like Connor Garland because what he does best is get under people's skin and draw a ton of penalties, right? And this Rangers team is operating right now as the second best power play in the league. So if you can get a guy who can help you at five on five while also drawing you more power play opportunities, that's something I'd be really intrigued by. And, and I'm kind of I'm surprised that he hasn't been as linked to the Rangers as as someone like Miller has. It does feel like with him, it, it's. There are players the Rangers would want to add that have term, but they have to, in their eyes, cross a certain threshold. And it just, I don't know if it just doesn't feel like Garland is one of those guys, but to, I, I don't think the Rangers, like if you had to tell the Rangers today, would you rather have Connor Garland next year and have no chance of signing Ryan Strom? Or would you rather have more of a chance to sign Ryan Strom and just not have Connor Garland, which would you rather have? And I, I just, I don't think the Rangers are prepared to go with the first option as currently constructed. 
Now, when you say he doesn't reach a threshold, is that a height threshold for this team? Because <laughs> uh, I don't know. The Rangers got he's very short. That's true. That's true. Adam Fox ain't six foot, so it's. I, I don't think. I don't think it's that. I. I just think it's like they see some players as stars that they would like the. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't mind having locked in for that additional year, and I don't think in their eyes Garland is that guy. I don't think. I don't think in their eyes Garland is good enough. To say we have no shot at signing signing Ryan Strom. Oh, I don't think he is in a lot of NHL GMs' minds, and I think that's a problem because I, I think he is that good, and I think the fit would be really intriguing here. But you're right; you're right. it's 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 a pipe dream. Like I can't see them um, being in on Garland to that degree. So, yeah, to, to answer your initial question, beyond that, I'm I'm not sure what that significant upgrade looks like. Like a guy like Arturi Lekkinen would help this team on the third line, but once again, how much is that really? Like logistically move the needle. Have what? you seen their third line? Otherwise, I got to tell you, helping that third well. line might be a big boon. <laughs> That's true. It's pretty bad, to be honest with you. Um, we were talking about before you came on how how lackluster do you expect this trade line to trade deadline to be, or do you expect it to kind of be like a lot of fireworks? I mean, I feel like every year we kind of talk ourselves into it, and then it's going to be just like the Ben Sherrod sweepstakes. No. I. I'm 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 I I'm not expecting a lot of fireworks. I, I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. I just feel like a lot of the names that we've heard linked, um, or that are kind of could be the big fish available. I don't like I don't I never really bought that Philip Forsberg was actually available, even though there was that reporting a couple of weeks ago that, you know, the, the predators were testing the market. Like I, I don't find that to be a realistic situation that's gonna develop. So and if Hurdle stays with the Sharks, like those are two of the biggest names in theory that would have gone. So I don't know. I think it'll be a lot of stuff on the margins. It'll be a lot of Josh Manson for a second, the defensive prospect and stuff like that. Yeah. Like say, say, say hurdle stays and Forsberg stays. Like, do you really believe Brock Besser is going to get moved? Do you think Mark Andre Fleury is actually going to get moved? Like if all four of those guys don't get moved, it's literally Claude Giroux, Ben Chirot, maybe Raquel. And that's it. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to see some players kind of out of left field that, that might have term beyond this season on their on their deals that aren't going to necessarily on trade boards that are all of a sudden going to get moved. Like, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But yeah, in terms of the the sort of obvious names that we've heard about, it's it's pretty uninspiring. It's a lot of guys that are going to be playing on your third line or like third defense pair and won't necessarily make that big of a difference. But I don't know. That's kind of what the NHL trade line is. Like, we get the NBA one and it's just like, Oh, these eight superstars all got traded for each other in a six-team deal, and and in the NHL, it's like, all right, here's a third pair defenseman for a for a conditional seventh, and so cool. It is what it is. Very sweet. Um, <laughs> this is so fun. Love covering the NHL. Um, Alexander Georgiev <laughs> is the backup for the New York Rangers. He's been notoriously terrible this year. Uh, do you see him getting moved to a team that could use goaltending, uh, maybe like the Oilers? I don't know. I have a I have a pretty long standing rule that I don't spend that much time thinking about or analyzing goaltending play. Like I feel like every goalie, other than the extremes, obviously with the like could be good, could not be. I I think it's always dangerous for any team this time of season to identify really any available goalie and be like, all right, we're gonna bring this guy in and then over the next ten games, we're gonna bank on this level of performance for him and it's gonna improve whatever our current issue is, right? Like that's why the Leafs right now are struggling and, and they're giving up four goals against in every single game. But I don't, I don't think any of these goalies that are available are necessarily a lock to come in and be any better than the guys they currently have. So 
I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I have no idea what to what to think of Gorgiev or not. Like it seems like all the reporting suggests that he is gonna move, right? I just it don't does, know. It does seem that is way, it gonna be a team? But it could just be like for a bag of. Pucks. Is it gonna be a team? Well, I wonder if it's gonna be a team. Like it seems like there's been some speculation that it'll be a team that might actually view him as sort of more of a goalie of the future beyond just the rest of the season. Obviously, um, you know your mileage on that varies, but I don't think he's going to be like, it's not going to be like a, a rental in terms of coming in and just being like, all right, save our season. And then we'll figure it out after it feels like it might be someone who kind of speculates on a more long-term. Cause he's still only 26. I, that's, that's the big part of it. And when his rookie right. season, which is, was like four years ago at this point, um, he did come in and have a pretty tremendous uh, time, but since then has been all downhill. Promise you. I promise. We watch a lot of him and it's not good. So I do I, wonder what he gets I'll, moved for. And I'll say this, I, I've reached a point with Georgiev, and I'm sure Ryan is pretty close to it too, where I'm just extremely tired of having the trade conversation with him, which leads me to my question, Dimitri. Is there a player that's been floating around on the trade market that you're just tired of even talking about at this point? I mean, it's got it's, Ben Sherratt, right? Yeah, right. I, I should have said besides Ben Sherratt, because <laughs> I feel like we, before the season started, everyone was like, yeah, well, he's going to move for a first round pick. And now the Canadians are what, 8-5-1 and one under Martin St. Louis? And he still hasn't been moved, and it's driving people insane. Yeah, I mean, he will. He will. He'll get moved for sure. I feel like it'll probably be to a team like St. Louis or something, um, and it'll be like a generally uninspiring deal. I, I don't know. Like, what are some of the, what are some of the names we're dealing with in terms of that, that could kind of count for this? Like, I, I, I live here in Vancouver, and you know, we've talked about JT Miller, we brought up Connor Garland, Brock Besser, obviously, like. It seems like everyone on their team other than Pedersen, Demko, and Hughes has basically been linked to someone or seems like they could be on the move, but they've similarly been playing well and kind of clawed themselves back into this playoff race out in the Pacific. And so it seems like any of those big moves are probably more realistically going to come in the summer and they're kind of going to play the string out here and see what happens and then hope that the market kind of opens up and they get more suitors coming for those players. Like that seems like the most logical outcome. So I'm kind of tired of talking about those guys because I just don't think they're going to be traded between now and the 21st. Why do teams wait until the day of the trade deadline to do anything? That's my real question. I don't know. It's so bizarre. Like you saw what the Flames did when they traded for Tyler Toffoli a couple of weeks ago. It's like, worked out for yeah, them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You yeah. basically get an extra month of a player that's going to help you. So that seems like a good thing rather than just waiting to the last minute and kind of panic trading. And I, I, I'm totally with you on that. This is why we've been screaming on this podcast for months now, like why the Rangers wouldn't go out and just get Phil Kessel for like a third round pick and eat the money because they have $32 million in cap space. Why Why do teams just not do that? Why wait till the day? Get him acclimated. Get him going. Like get him right into the team chemistry. You're only going to have what? 12 games before the playoffs after this trade deadline? Like what do you really have to, to build chemistry with? It makes no sense to me. Oh man, Kessel would be an amazing acquisition just to test how bad the five on five numbers could be I can't wait. for this team with him on the ice. That'd be that'd be a fascinating experiment. Although now, I mean, well, well hold on, we, everybody. So. This has been my biggest pushback with everyone when it comes to Kessel because everyone likes to say the Rangers will just get caved in on defensively if they get Kessel. We we spent the first part of the interview talking about how amazing Igor Shesterkin is. I almost don't give a shit about any player's defensive mm-hmm. numbers when the Rangers bring them in. What this Ranger team needs is scoring. Someone who can put the puck right. in the back of the net. And besides eating hot dogs, I'm very confident that's the one thing Phil Kessel can still do. Yeah, certainly off the rush as well. Like I, I feel like he'd be a fascinating fit next to next to Panarin and Strom down the second line. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. And, and you're right, the acquisition costs would be so cheap that it's not prohibitive by any means. I, I, I just I, I think it would be a fascinating experiment from the perspective of like, you know, whatever their shot share is right now. I, I don't 
know if it could even get lower i guess like you reach like a kind of a point of diminishing returns where it's like at some point it's like all right who cares like this is who we are let's get a guy who can at least help us put the puck in the net is what you're saying so yeah i'm with you all right well now that we've talked about the trade deadline which i do think is going to be i if it's more and more of myself it's going to be lackluster during this conversation unfortunately um well how about, how about this right oh. i i think there are two teams that hold the keys to whether the trade deadline is actually going to be exciting or and good and it's funny because they're the two teams that literally just made an interesting player for player swap in recent history I think the Blue Jackets and the Jets can make the deadline super fun, but they also can make it super boring by doing nothing. Now, I wonder, Dimitri, if you agree or disagree with that. Well, so who would be on the move from those teams? You look at Max Domi. You look at Patrick Laine. Okay. You look at Mark Scheifele. Um, I think those, to me, would be the big three. But I think you could also look at Pierre-Luc Dubois a little bit and wonder if he would be one of the players. Like, if both those teams admit that where they are is not good enough and we have to essentially start over they hold pieces that both have term but have long-term questions that could become available and really turn some shit upside down yeah yeah I, i'm with you there i i feel like out of all those guys you listed like domi is the only one that i could really even conceivably see being moved at this point so maybe that, that kind of speaks to our larger issue here of of what our expectations are for this deadline like i I don't see any of those other guys getting moved at this point, so I'm not sure. Um, Can I ask you a dumb question? If you, I mean, if you could yeah. change the NHL's CBA to only have five-year contracts, would you do that right now? Because I, I just, um, I just, is eight eight-year contracts are just I think about it all the time. Like I have eight more years of Mika Zibanejad, and I love Mika Zibanejad. Don't get me wrong, but like eight years is so long for anybody to stay at the top of their craft. It's such a long guarantee. And to, to maybe in, increase player movement, to increase these trade deadlines, to increase team parity. Because if one of your players busts, like uh, who was it that just got back surgery on the Flyers? Um, sorry, I'm blanking on it. Um, it connect, connect me? No, no. Uh, one of the centers. Uh, Couturier, I think, maybe? Are you thinking of Cla- Yeah, Sean Couturier, yeah. yeah um, I mean, listen, the, re- the reason why the Flyers are going to bust is because everything that's happening with Rashmus versus Lines. But continue. I, I, yes, that's true. But I understand. But but if something happens, is you still have six more, seven more years with a certain player. It's like, wow, holy, we're done for a decade now. We have no flexibility. It's the NHL. There's no way to do anything. But at least with a, like a four- or five-year deal, you'd have some out or some way to even maybe trade it off to a team that's not competing. Uh, I just think about that a lot, so I'm curious to get your opinion. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly save GMs from themselves. I, I think, you know, it's similar to that logic, but, like, my biggest thing would be, um, you know, making the age of which players actually hit the unrestricted free agent market much sooner than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand why they have it the way they do to kind of try to protect smaller markets and give them more, um, you know, cost control certainty in any years to figure out, you know, when they invest a high draft pick in a player, any, any hits, they want to be able to keep them for as long as possible. But the entire system is just so messed up. You see it time and time again where a player hits unrestricted free agency finally at age 28, 29 years old, and then you know they're looking for the most money they can because it's like their first real opportunity to fully cash in. And some teams like, all right, well, this guy's, this guy's been good for a while. We, we, we know who he is, so we're going to give him an eight-year deal here. And then everyone winds up immediately regretting it because the reality is that players peak around 22 to 24 years old in the NHL. And when you're signing someone at 29, 30, like the wheels are going to come off pretty quickly. So that would be my thing. And I think that would obviously increase player movement as well, because you'd basically be forced into making difficult decisions much sooner than you are, as opposed to 
how it is now where you have what six, seven years and you can kind of just keep kicking the can down the road and giving, um, you know, basically flexing on them in terms of using arbitration and using RFA years against them. So um, that would be my big, big CBA change. One day, I hope and I pray. Uh, Greg, did you have another, another transition question here or do you want me to move on? I think you should move on there, buddy. Wonderful. Uh, going to the playoffs and going, the East is already set. We've discussed it ad nauseum. Do you think the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights will end up making the playoffs or not? Because we're gigantic Jack Eichel boys. We prayed for him to be Ranger a Ranger this offseason. We put up a billboard and got one of us fired. It wasn't me. Spoiler alert. And, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah I, I, had, I had a fun, I had a fun fall. I think everybody likes to anyway, uh, and he's not a ranger. Uh, so it is kind of weird to see him, them go to Vegas. Mark Stone goes down and that, that whole team has kind of been sort of a disaster ever since. Yeah, I think they're down the, in the 50s in terms of their playoff probability at this point. And they're having this disastrous uh, road trip right now. I don't know. I, I still, maybe it's, maybe it's foolish on my end to kind of keep thinking it's going to turn around because they're giving us a lot of evidence recently to suggest they just not, might not be very good. Um, and we'll see like if, if Mark Stone is able to come back at any point here, but um, yeah, right now it's, it's clearly a flawed team and and it's, it's highly disappointing because not only did people pencil them in to uh, finish with one of the top two seeds or whatever in the Pacific and kind of have a clash again in the playoffs against the avalanche or something or make a long run, but like they're in this division where, it's almost unfathomable that they wouldn't make it in as one of the top three seeds. And, and for this to be happening and playing out the way it has been is just, I don't know. I, I, I get that people are like enjoying it and relishing it because of all the success Vegas has had so far in their early tenure in the league. But um, like, I enjoy watching them play and I think it's great for storylines and it makes for great playoff matchups. So I'd like to see them turn it around, but yeah, it's certainly been pretty bleak lately. Speaking of playoff matchups, uh, do you, Support, tolerate, enjoy, dislike, hate vehemently the current NHL playoff format, or are you more agnostic toward it? Towards it. Yeah, it stinks. Not Thank you. I just wanted I need, to make sure. I needed. I needed to know. Other than the NHL trying to just like force this rivalry idea on us, like who who likes this stuff? Like yeah, it's, it's just we, we sit here. We sit here, and there's no. Absolutely zero possible way that all three of the Lightning, Maple Leafs, and Panthers will advance out of round one. Round one. Yep. That's ridiculous. That's insane to me. Uh, it's uh, To get rid of your star teams like right off the rip, it's like, okay, cool. Awesome. Like one of the Rangers or the Penguins are going to be out. Not that I think Rangers are a star team. Uh, you know, I think they're one of the better teams. And obviously you lose a lot of star power and a huge market if they lose to Pittsburgh. But Losing one of Pittsburgh and the Rangers in the first round just sucks. I mean, I guess you're going to lose somebody no matter what in in the Capitals and the Hurricanes, et cetera. Uh, but to lose one of those two teams is like, oh, man, like, I, I mean, you make the case like the Leafs probably not going to make out of the first round again. I mean, you hate to see that. That's going to be really tough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's the Atlantic in particular is, is, is going to be a mess. I mean, yeah, that 2-3 that matchup, like, you know, Florida Tampa Bay last year was was amazing to watch. That was one of my favorite series the entire postseason. Maybe the the best, it like highest best. played um, one. Like, it was, I mean, Avs Avs Golden Knights was also really fun in round two. But yeah, that like right out of the gate, Florida versus Tampa Bay was amazing. But yeah, it stinks. Like, you know, I'm all for if you're gonna have an 82 game regular season, like you got to make it meaningful. And I guess you could argue that okay, if you're an Atlantic, being the best team out of those three 
helps you in terms of you know getting a better matchup in round one so the regular season does work in that regard and in sort of yeah the best team is going to get a softer round one opponent but um it's just so so silly to me that we have these 82 games and then you don't really get that much credit for it like it all kind of it's a clean slate and all of a sudden you're like facing an amazing team in round one so i don't know i i NHL has a lot of flaws, and sort of that playoff formatting for, formatting is uh, is a big one for me. Well, fi- fix it for me, Dimitri. How how is the Filipovich playoff model look like? What what are the is it just straight one through sixteen? Well, yeah, and also I, I know I know people have brought up. I believe in the Swedish league they were doing this for a while, where teams pick their opponents, I'd and then like that. it was really exciting. It was really exciting for a couple of years, and then eventually it got diluted in terms of like teams just started. It basically wound up seeding itself the way it otherwise would have because like no one wanted to upset anyone or whatever, or like it just wasn't as fun as it initially was, but I'd love to see that. Like that would be incredible. And now that is never going to happen in the NHL. Like it goes against like everything they believe in. Um, but how amazing, man, that how would, be amazing really would it be if we did that and like the hurricanes end the year with the most points and they just go, fuck it. We want the Leafs. We don't think they can get out of the first round. <laughs> Dude. I would I would have a celebration on the spot if that happened. It would be like one of the best NHL moments of the last ten years. It's like when they offer sheeted. It's amazing. Oh man! We oh, it would be so good. Well, when when the, the teams were coming back in the bubble, like what, the Hurricanes were one of the teams that voted against playing or something or, or against the format. I forget what the what the details of that were, but then everyone was freaking out about that, and I was like, this is such like a small scale quibble. It would be amazing to see just what would happen with with teams having to pick someone. And then the storylines of like, all right, well, nobody believes in us. Or, oh, like, we're going to make you pay for picking us. And yeah, it'll be really fun. I would love, man, that needs to happen. I know it wouldn't happen in like the NFL or any other sport. But in the NHL, if you wanted to really make a difference, boy, that that would really create the drama that this league legitimately needs. That's for sure. Uh, my final mm-hmm. question is, is there any trend in in the National Hockey League that people aren't talking about right now that you, you think they should be talking about? Hmm. Oh, that's a really good question. Thank you. I mean, oh, well done, Ryan. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, hmm. You could say no, one. but it, I just figured this might be something you like. We we think about the playoff structure all the time, or you know, um, all these right. wacky ideas uh, constantly. But if there's there's something some trend wise, like with a player or a style of play, um, maybe that you've noticed, um, I figured I'd ask. Yeah, well, it's always not the questions of like, oh, like, especially, you know, when we talk about players, oh, who's underrated and who's not, like, I always say, well, probably no one's actually underrated because there's just so much coverage in, in 2022 that if something's worth talking about, people are already probably discussing it somewhere and it's getting its fair shake. But I don't know, I think one for me is, um, you know, I've my show is very analytics heavy and, and we certainly like use all the numbers to to help with our evaluations and kind of make predictions and projections and all that. But um, just in terms of seeing how the playoffs have been playing out the past couple of years and, and just watching a ton of hockey, like for me, I've come sort of full circle in not valuing just like raw shot totals and kind of possession metrics and, and shot shares um, as the be all end all by any means, like being able to consistently get to, to dangerous areas of the ice and get scoring chances, whether it's off the rush or through set plays in the offensive zone, like is a real skill. And it's highly important to be able to do that in the postseason. So I don't know, maybe, maybe Rangers fans will like hearing that because obviously for them, um, right. the raw shot metrics don't 
really paint them in a very positive light. Now, I don't think they necessarily create a ton off the rush or getting into very dangerous areas on the ice during even strength to kind of compensate for that. And so that's an entirely different issue. But um, I do think there's clearly ways to to get around being outshot and still winning um, that aren't necessarily purely kind of fluky or, or luck driven. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of something that I've really been thinking a lot about recently. And I feel like that's kind of like a trend that um, especially come postseason really kind of acts up. Final one for me, Dimitri. Uh, at what point do we start talking about the Colorado Avalanche in the same way we talk about the Maple Leafs as a team that just can't get it done? If they don't win this year, is it is it is this the turning point? We've got to be getting close. Uh, yeah. Well, what is it? Three straight years now in the second round? I think so. Yeah. And every every year we go into the year being like, oh, this team has no holes. It's incredibly built. Yeah. Well, that's only really been the past two years. I think three years ago they actually were like the eight seed and they upset the flames in round one and then they took the sharks to seven and that was like considered like a big success for them but yeah certainly i mean losing in the bubble to the stars in round two uh even though they were pretty banged up and then falling off last year against vegas um yeah i i I feel like if they once again don't get to the conference finals this year um whether it's fair or not people are going to start talking about that like I, i think we've already reached that point a little bit because like whenever I tweet out a stat about how dominant the Avs have been this regular season or how good one of their players has been, there's always going to be a certain segment of the crowd that's going to be, that's going to like bring up the playoffs or how, you know, they've succeeded in the regular season in the past, but it hasn't translated when it matters most. And so they kind of discredit it. But I mean, the Lightning are a good reminder that what they were at that same point a couple of years ago and now they're considered like the ultimate winners. So all it takes is really one one uh, postseason where you get over the hump and then all of a sudden the narrative around you changes so dramatically. Demetri, can't thank you enough for taking the time. Anything you want to plug for you out of here? Other than the podcast, of course. Yeah, I guess both people can just go follow me on Twitter uh, at Dim Filipovich and, and check out the Hockeypedio cast wherever um, they listen to fine shows like this one. So so that's pretty much it. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us, buddy. Really appreciate it. And uh, stay safe out there during this this trade deadline. I'm sure it'll be a wild one. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Later, buddy. And we're back. All right, quick five-star question segment because we didn't get to do them before Dimitri came on. Um, not like we have a lot this week. I would say that uh, probably because it was a sad week for the New York Rangers, we had a couple of ones that didn't really get through. Uh, this is from Keeper of the List. Are the Rangers top-heavy? Yes. <laughs> yeah, as in, as in the Rangers have about five forwards that I trust on a nightly basis. Yeah, I'd say that's top-heavy. From Julia, I know you guys talk a lot about who to trade for in offense and defense, but assuming we finally move Georgiev, who should the Rangers target as their backup or just plan to use Kincaid? As, I would just use as Keith's agent, I would say it's Keith Kincaid. Uh, yeah, I, 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 because again, guys, it's, it's just like, why would you give up an asset for a guy you really only want to play five times in games that aren't going to matter in the division uh, like in, in, in terms of standings? You might, you might only play Keith three times at the end of the game. Yeah. They don't yeah. Matter again, we, we've talked about this before, right? The whole, like, well, you can't trade Georgiev because if you lose Igor, you're fucked. If you lose Igor, you're fucked. I don't care who the backup is. I'm friends with Keith, right? He's going to hear this and yell at me and be like, no, fuck you. I made a difference. And his defense, him and Taylor Hall completely dragged a New Jersey Devils team to the playoffs. That is worth mentioning. People that, forget that, that happened very recently. At the same time, I've seen enough of this Ranger team to know that if Igor Shosturkin is not there, fuck, it doesn't matter. They're not good enough. So... That's also why they should make some fucking trades, right? I don't know how much time you got to talk about. This is from Toaster Daddy. It feels like this team learns on a monthly basis 
week week starts the game with strong endings. Then a month later, they have great openings and then fall off. Awesome power play and then 0-5 ability. Then the 5v5 kicks up and then the power play starts to decrease. I'm not sure if the analytics reflect this, but what are your thoughts? This team is definitely trend heavy. And I'm sure Greg and I agree on this. They'll have they'll have a couple weeks where, like the, like you said, the first week, the first period is just an absolute abstract disaster. Um, but they've also been incredibly consistent the entire year. They're, I bet I challenge you to go back and look at the schedule for the entire season if you're a real psychopath like me and see how many games they were actually out of, even ones they lost uh, or even ones they won. They were they're incredibly close games. They keep everything close. A lot of that's due to Igor Shosturkin. Uh, but they do fight back, and they're pretty resilient at the same time. So while they do have these small little trends, like letting up first goals uh, of the season somehow still in March, and uh, and also former Rangers scoring against them and bad first periods, they also are extremely consistent on fighting back somehow and staying in these games. Well, I think even more to that point, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm sure I could just look them up. I'm sure they're on Hockey Stat Money's timeline somewhere. But um, I know in the first period they're about even in terms of goal differential. I know in the second period, they're about even in terms of goal differential. I know in the third period, they're like a plus 25. Now, I know part of that is because all you have to do is give Igor Shosturkin a lead heading into the third period, and the Rangers will just add on on top of that. They're, but credit where credit is due. This team knows how to finish. There hasn't been a time – I can think of one game where the Rangers almost let it go in the third period, and that was that insane Panther game that they won anyway. But this team – it seems like they play a bad period every game, or at least a period significantly worse than the others. To their credit, that has never been the third period. And I do think under previous coaches, that wasn't always the case. David Quinn, we spent, very notable. Not just that. How many times did we talk about how Elaine Vino would just fucking turtle with a one-goal lead in the third period and the Rangers would get caved in? So it, it's, it, it has been a couple coaching staffs where the Rangers have played – poorly in the third and while you and I have been critical at times about Gerard Gallant and we will continue to be critical at times we feel it's necessary you have to give him credit this team succeeds in the third period in a way the New York Rangers have it in the past agreed uh this is from Seamus could the Rangers bring in uh hurdle and is it Seamus or Seamus like, are know. you saying it incorrectly it is it's a C like you know the ocean and then yeah mus m-u-s S-E-A-M-U-S? Yeah. Everybody in my life with that spelling is named Seamus. <laughs> There's no H. <laughs> it's it's Irish, you fuck. I'm Irish. That's why Sean, Sean S-E-A-N. You've heard that, right? You know that exists. It's my best friend's name, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there's no H, though, you fucking idiot. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Lean, bean, mean, Sean. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't doesn't. I don't understand. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, there's no H, so it can't be Seamus. Whatever. So Seamus, his first name's Tagda. Or, okay, I'm English, whatever. Um, Could the Rangers bring in Hurdle and well, Bluff? Don't confuse those two things, motherfucker. Uh, and Bluff. Vince, Vince will come in here and all of a sudden just start literally shooting you. Gravy and sauce. Uh, bring, bring Hurdle and Bluff like they were going to make the money work to sign him and instead drive Strom's price down like an insurance policy. No chance. No chance. That's too smart and too complicated. Uh, I still can't believe, like, <laughs> uh, Ryan Strom's going to sign for less than Jerry's Familia, and this is a real concern for the National Hockey League. I know. And Ryan Strom should, deserves, like, a $6 million contract, but he'll probably get a 5.5 or a 5. Yeah, he's one of he's one of what? He's a top two center in the NHL, which makes him inherently one of the 60 best centers in the league. Yep. And he's going to get paid less than maybe 
the 234th best reliever in Major League Baseball. Very cool. Love the NHL. Uh, this is from Sean Carlson. With Vegas being up against the cap this summer, could we see the move Eichel before the draft, before his no movement clause kicks in? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Uh, why would they do that? I, I, I think that they, they get Jack Eichel. They are excited to have a star player, what they believe is to be a star player, to ship him out for a recoup on assets. Uh, they would never get the return that they wanted, similar to Buffalo. No. Yes, agreed. Final question from David. What happens first, Kako returns or Marsh Madness ends? This is a good one. Oof. This All right, hold on. Let me see. Good one. 2022 yeah, when's the final men's quarter? basketball yeah, I'm gonna national it. championship. Nice. This is good podcasting. This is great podcasting. It's the end of it, too. So uh, who, what is it? Yep. Son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Just give me a fucking date. Why is this so hard? When does March Madness end? Wow, this is harder than I Yeah, fucking right, huh? <laughs> yeah, this is... Why, uh, why is this so rough? When when does March Madness end? Oh, April 2nd. The national championship Ooh. game two days before on April 2nd. The same as Father's Boys. Is yeah, I don't think Kako's back by April then. 4th, yeah. I would say March Madness ends before... Kako's back. My my legitimate prediction for Kako being back is looking at the quick schedule for the New York Rangers. And again, great podcasting. I would say probably you're looking at April 9th versus Senators or April 12th versus the Hurricanes. That's where you're looking back legitimately for uh, for Kako. I could I, I could also see the Flyers game on the 13th. That's probably one of those three games is when I expect Kako back. I don't think they'll rush him, and I think he's still a month away. Uh, and I know. The real thing that people want to know, Greg, you surely did a bracket. What does it look like? I'm being really lame this year in picking Gonzaga to win it all. Wow. I know that. Very true. Um, but I do. I have. I have. I have some things that I think some people would be interested in in their way of upsets. And I'm trying to pull up my bracket now to tell you what those things are. Amazing. I'm a man of. I'm a man of integrity, and I believe it. Uh, I have Vermont, a 13 seed, winning in the round one. Look at you. Um. I have – what are my other low-ranked teams here? I have Auburn in my final. I have Providence in my Elite Eight. I have Virginia Tech advancing a couple rounds. I have an Iowa State-Colgate matchup in round two. That's oh an 11 goodness. versus That's 11 versus 14. Um, yeah, I – I don't have a lot of sexy picks. I thought long – I it breaks my heart that I didn't have UConn going further. It's just a bummer that they have to go up against Gonzaga. But my final four is Gonzaga, Baylor, Tennessee, Auburn, and I have a Gonzaga-Auburn final. I will I will say that on the record. Well, I'm, I'm happy you're on the record with that. I wish you the best of luck in your endeavors in March Madness. I'm not going not gonna to win shit. I haven't watched fuck all this entire year. Let me put it that way. Same. Uh, we'll be back with a BSBOT probably on Wednesday this week, something like that. And then if any emergency happens, we'll let you know. We'll be recording then as well. So, uh, stay- it, have you, do you ever do you ever see the the tweet? It does get a chuckle out of me because I we do it and it makes me funny. It's just like it's a tweet that always floats around where it's like there's nothing on this earth more hilarious than the term emergency podcast. It's like yeah, you know what? Fair play. That that's that's a good point. I disagree. I, I think it's very serious. <laughs> I, I know I know that's why it makes this funny, but to me, I think it, it's a very serious moment for me. It's it's my duty to do something like this. People don't understand. It's 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 part of my calling in life. I have to do the emergency podcast. This is your calling in life. Talking to me on a weekly basis is your fucking calling. I have in to life. be honest, Greg. 
talking to you on a weekly basis has gotten me further than I can ever imagine. <laughs> it sounds like the stupidest thing ever, but talking to you every week might be one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And I hate that, you. That is. <laughs> People sometimes ask, like, what, what happens to you guys if the podcast ever ends? We never talk. I don't think they believe oh. me when I say that you and I probably never talk again. Yeah. That's like true. Never. Like no. the only time we would communicate is if something happens in our fantasy baseball league. That's yeah, it. or or like our friends are together and we'd be like, "Hey, remember when we did that podcast every week for six years? Remember when you guys were kind of famous for a little bit there? Yeah, that was weird. That was strange. Also, I gotta say, fuck you for playing the long con on me. When you traded me for Fernando Tatis Jr., you didn't tell me he was a shit motorcycle driver. Uh, yeah, I you know I did the scouting. Um, that's why it's I still, unbelievable. That's why I still have Blake Snell. Nice. Okay. <laughs> He sucks. Also, to the people that asked me today, there is nothing on God's green earth I am less concerned about than when Jacob Degrom opts out. It's one of the least. It's one of the biggest non-stories I've ever heard here's, in my life. Here's how. Here's what the Mets do: the thirty-six million dollars that Degrom was going to make next year, take the twenty million dollars you're no longer paying Robinson Cano, and give him that, and now making an even fifty-six. Congratulations, he's a New York Met, and you didn't raise the payroll. Ta-da! I did it. I'm a fucking genius. Yeah. No, I wasn't. It's like- that, that was like one of those quotes where people were like, oh, no. I was like, what are we doing? This is, <laughs> this is one of the stupidest Steve, things I've Steve ever Steve Cohen said. joked about how it's better to have a tax named after him than a bridge. You think he gives a fuck? No, he doesn't. I really don't. Does not care. I really don't. I root for the Rays. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> do, you think, do you think next year when Scherzer is making 45 and DeGrom's making 56? Yes. Do you think the Rays payroll is higher than those two? No. Well, <laughs> they, they are paying Wander now. And who else? Freddie Freeman. <laughs> he's going to the Jays, bro. Come on. He's the Razor Rumor. They're a dark horse, okay? That's fine. He's going to the Jays. Yeah, I think is. he's a Toronto. Here, I think he's a Toronto Blue Jay by the, by the time we talk on OT this week. I actually am super excited to do the Patreon over under baseball next week. I I have a lot of I have a lot of takes. I have a lot of money to make. Mm, me too. We're going to have to get that together. All right. we I legitimately have to go. But this has been get a great good league. podcast. Later, guys. Bye. And as always, I'd like to take the time to thank our Patreon subscribers for being irreplaceable, being supported with the show, being a part of the NHL Insiders Club, and hopefully having a lot to talk about this week in the trade deadline. Let's see what happens. Uh, without further ado, Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cotullo, Adam Keach, Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Austin Beetleman, Barbie Chris, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Be- Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Broadway Blue Bleeder, Chris Finelli, CJ Selwagen, Daniel Dezan, David Nerdin, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darian, Eric says, damn, those Dallas jerseys were hideous. I agree. Eric Stagg, give Gardner a cup. Give Gretzky McFly. Uh, sorry, Gretzky Gareth McFly. Handle. Harrison Hasco, Hip Hop Jorge 89. Ian Rodriguez, Jake Berkowitz, Jerry and Marquez. JD, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, Jordan. Josh uh, Kestenbaum. Justin Freeman, Justin Starr, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg. Laser Krakowski, Lou Giordano, Lucas K, Matthew Kine, Max Nielsen, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kojarev, the legend, <laughs> Randy Tesser. Uh, a couple more here with Stephen Lomayer, Steve Bullbach from also Swingard, the Drop BK, Thomas Welsh, Tom Siclary, Tom Hurst Jr., actually also a legend, Tommy O'Neill, Tory Manhattan, Manhattan, the original supporter, Upstate Vin, Vinny Brocco, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. An interesting week for the New York Rangers that play a couple of teams that, I mean, two teams in a row they should just slobber knocker. I could say that, right? I think that's fair. The Anaheim Ducks have just sold off. I think Zagris. Um, obviously is someone I is probably going to do good in, at MSG at homecoming for him. I think he's playing. 
And I want to make sure I didn't double check, but please, if he is playing, I think he will. <laughs> I'm going to get slandered for that if he's not playing or injured. But I believe Zagers is playing, and if he is, he's going to do something fabulous at MSG. It's a homecoming for him. It's very fun. And then the Islander game on Thursday uh, will definitely be highly contested and uh, will be a traditional Ranger Islander game. But it will also be a St. Patrick's Day where everyone will be absolutely hammered into the floor. Here's the real issue. Over the weekend, one of the two games you're going to start uh, on a road trip versus the Tampa Bay Lightning and the the Hurricanes is Alexander Georgiev. And I, I believe both those teams are going to, those both those games are going to be like sort of playoff matchups. It's going to be, um, I, I almost want the Rangers to take a game off. I know that sounds silly, but I know, I don't want it to be like the St. Louis Blues game all over again. But if you're going to play the first night and then automatically go to the Hurricane game after and just say to yourself, all right, we're going to have Stark. We're going to try and win the first one. We'll start Georgiev in the second. And if we just get blown out, we'll just do some cardio. Totally understand. Um, that's one of, that's probably the worst back-to-back left in the season. And maybe you go balls to the wall both nights, and maybe you can see what you can do. The playoff spot's all locked up. The last, the, the one number one thing the Rangers need to do, other than acquire some serious players at this trade deadline, is stay healthy the rest of the season. There are times you can push yourself, and there are times it is not worth it. Because almost no matter what happens right now, you are bound to play the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. So let's see what the Rangers do and how they respond this weekend. I expect I expect a wild two games over the weekend. I do expect two wins in a row here from Anaheim and the Islanders. I think, I think the Rangers can take care of business and just call those ones home, wipe the hands, and get on to the next one over the weekend. But... We, will, we shall she. We shall she? Wow, I can't speak anymore. On that note, I should leave because my job is speaking. All right, love you guys. We'll be back later this week. Happy trade deadline week, and hopefully we have something fun to talk about soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.